welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Bibles to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going through the book of Ephesians here this entire summer, and this, this study here is talking about today's message on walking with God. That phrase is going to be used two different times here in this passage. And I'm going to give you some Old Testament examples of folks in the Bible who walked with God. In the book of Genesis, the very first person who walked with God occurred in the, uh, the Garden of Eden. The Bible actually tells us here that Adam, in Genesis chapter 3, verse Eight, it says, when the man, that's Adam, and his wife, is Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God, look at this, walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. So God was actually the first person recorded in history. Walking is actually the Lord, and they would meet with Adam and Eve. The Lord would meet with Adam and Eve, and, but they had just sinned, so they are now hiding from the Lord. But apparently, Adam and Eve walked with the Lord in the Garden of Eden. And all of a sudden, this day, they didn't want to show up. Then you keep going in your Bibles, and you get two chapters over to Genesis chapter 5. This is now a gentleman named Enoch. He was actually the seventh generation from Adam. He had a real unusual walk with the Lord. It says in Genesis 5, 21... Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. Methuselah is well known. He is the oldest man ever to live, 969 years old. That's one of those records that will never be broken. No one's going to pass 969. You know, in the sports world, you always look at records that will never be broken. And one record that will never be broken in baseball for the baseball stats folks out there, is Cy Young. Back in the old days, Cy Young was a great pitcher, and he pitched what you call complete games. They're unheard of now, a complete game, because you're not allowed to throw more about 90 or 100 pitches because supposedly your arm gets hurt and you're injured. But back in the good old days, 100 years ago, pitchers pitched 140, 150, 180 pitches per game. Cy Young has over 800 complete games. If you find... Two people in the majors this year that has one or two complete games this whole season, that's huge. Complete games are just unheard of now at the baseball. Now you pitch four or five innings, they pull you out, and it's just reliever after reliever. That's how it works now in the pros. But back then, 100 years ago, you would have complete game people, and that would be Cy Young. And here you would have people like Methuselah who would live 969 years. These are just records that will never be broken. Well, it says after Methuselah was born, when Enoch was 65 years old, it says in verse 23, 22, that he began to walk with God. With the birth of his child, he became committed in his relationship with the Lord. And then it says he fathered other sons and daughters. And then verse 23, so Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God. And he was not there because God took him. 
God apparently was so impressed with Enoch's walk and his relationship with the Lord, he just said, Enoch, why are you walking down here on earth? You just come on up home. And he just called him home. And he just walked on up into glory with the Lord. The Lord just brought him home, and he's walking in heaven right now. Knowing that Noah, one of the eight people on the ark, the Bible says there was massive wickedness on earth, and God was going to send a flood, but it says Noah walked with God and saved Noah and his family. Abraham, Genesis 17, 1 says that Abraham would, would walk before the Lord. God called Abraham to be a great nation. Abraham walked before the Lord. He had a relationship with God. In the Old Testament, there were these people called priests. They would be the ones that would run the worship services. They were from the lineage of Levi. Book of Malachi, chapter 2, verse 6 says, Levi, who all his descendants were priests, he walked with God in peace and integrity. So he was a man of uprightness. And Moses came from the tribe, from the lineage of Levi. So we see in the Old Testament, there are numerous examples of folks who walked and loved the Lord. They had this daily relationship with the Lord. We get to the New Testament, and walking with the Lord looks different. Jesus came to fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. He saw Peter, James, and John, and they draw, he called them to follow me. They dropped their nets and began to follow Jesus. That's what it looks like walking with God in the New Testament. Literally, they, today, instead of us dropping our nets, that's representing their old life. For us, we would drop our iPad. We would drop our phone, drop the remote, and you follow the Lord. It's like whatever you're doing, you stop doing that. And so I'm now going to follow the Lord. That's what it means to follow me. And that's what, what happened here in the New Testament with walking with the Lord. You know, we don't, uh, politics has certainly changed a lot since the 70s, but Back in the early 70s, a big scandal broke out. Now we have scandals every week. But back then, they had one scandal, and it was called Watergate. And that was with Richard Nixon. Now that would just be typical news these days. But back then, that was breaking news. And Richard Nixon came under uh, lying and a big scandal. And in Georgia, back in the 70s, there was this man. He was a peanut farmer. He started out as a little state center. And he was a Sunday school teacher. And he taught at Maranatha Baptist Church, a Southern Baptist Church in Plains, Georgia. That's in peanut country in South Georgia. If you ever go to South Georgia, there's nothing there. All there is there is there's peanuts and gnats, and it's really hot. That's it. And blazing hot in South Georgia. And it's just awful. You sweat all the time, get sunburned, then get skin cancer and die. That's, that's, that's your life in South Georgia, and eat peanuts all over the place. Jimmy Carter was that man, and he was a state senator, and he ran for the governor of Georgia, and he won. And he saw what was going on in Washington, and he billed himself as a man of integrity. He talked about just being a peanut farmer, just teaching at a Southern Baptist church in rural Plains, Georgia. And he told all of America that back in the 70s, he says, I walk with God. And what he meant by that back then is he had a relationship, he had a devotional time, he had a time that he spent 
with the Lord. And it got him elected president. I don't know if that would happen these days. I don't know if you, who knows what would happen if a politician said, I walk with God uh, and tried to win on that platform. It might work, might not. But it worked back in the 70s. And he was elected president from 1976 to 1980 with that. But he was someone of a church very similar to this, basically the size of this. And he was a faithful Sunday school teacher. And he had a message of walking with the Lord back then. So we can see throughout from the Old Testament to the New Testament with Jesus saying, follow me, all the way even to somewhat modern politics, this phrase that Christians walk and believers walk with God. And we're going to read this passage here. For us, it pleases God. If you're here this morning and you want to please God, you want to make sure that you are walking with him. So open up your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. Now, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. You know, that is today. We are all around with empty arguments. And folks are deceived. Deceived, deception is something you believe is right when in fact it is actually wrong. You have been dubbed and deceived. And the Bible's telling us there's these people that come around with arguments. They have debates. They have their points of view. And you as a believer, if you aren't careful, if, you aren't, if we aren't guided by our Bibles and what is right and wrong, you too will be deceived. Your children, your home, it's easy to be deceived. And, and what's happening here is... Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. If you are currently attending my Wednesday night Bible study on the book of Revelation, we are going through these first few chapters before we get to the, I guess, the apostolic part. And we're at the seven churches in in the book of Revelation. And the very first church is called the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a very... uh, prominent area in that Bible time called Asia Minor. In fact, Paul helped plant the church. He installed Timothy as the pastor there. Um, Christian history says the Apostle John went and visited that church, and it had a flourishing ministry. And during the time of Ephesus, the people were constantly, that that was where a lot of idol worship was going on back 2,000 years ago. Today, we don't, might not have idol worship. People today worship themselves. Worship themselves means the center of you versus actually me. It's actually you. When you think everything revolves around you. Back in Bible times, everything revolved. You prayed to idol. Now it's just you're your own star. Instead of getting picked by someone else, you just pick yourself and say, I'm number one. And then you, you, you live this self-centered world thinking it's all about me. What do I want? where the Bible is coming here and saying, no, don't be fooled. It's not about what we want. Our lives should be lined up and focused on the Lord. It's what Jesus, it's what the cross wants. We line up our lives with the cross, with what Jesus wants us to do, what the Bible commands us to do. That's what it means to live a God-centered life. And everything about our culture today tells us if you aren't careful, you will find yourself with these empty arguments. 
just like in Ephesus. And it says there in Revelation chapter 2, what we're looking at on Wednesday night, Jesus had some instructions to that church. That church was very prominent. They had a wonderful, rich legacy. Yet Jesus had one thing against them. He says, you've lost your first love. You used to have a passion and desire for me, the Lord, but now you don't. You've lost it. You need to return to what you used to do. That's what happens when we've been deceived. We've lost what we thought was most important. So here the Bible's telling us here. Said, don't, don't be deceived. And we're constantly, all the time, you need to be a self-evaluate in your life. Am I being dubbed? Am I being deceived? Is this what I'm believing and listening to and watching? Is this stuff even true? Does this, does this add up? Is this, is this what's best, what the Lord wants from me? And he says, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. When we become worldly, we are taking a partnership with the things of the world. And the Bible saying, you don't go down that road. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. One time you were dark, but now you live for the light. There's a contrast of the way you used to live. And now look at this. Latter part of verse 8. This is one of the main Bible verses. Walk as children of the light. Walk as children of the light. What does that mean? What that means is there's an innocence, there's a sense of trust that God expects of His children. We don't try to solve all the world's problems. We just trust the Lord. Say, God, I have no clue what's going to happen tomorrow. Lord, I live for you as a children of the light. When you get saved, you're a child of God. And there's a childlike, innocent faith that the Lord looks at us and He expects us to have. I'm going to illustrate this. I couldn't tell it at the early service. So you're getting your extra bang for the buck because Esther was at the first service. But she's down in children's church now so I can talk about it. This past week, we have, um, we went to, uh, I like, I used to live in New Orleans. And there's a New Orleans place here called Bourbon and Toulouse. I believe that's the name. It's named after two streets in New Orleans. It's actually right down here. They have a location here on Broadway. And I love New Orleans food. And, um, we were going there. We went there this week. And our children, if we pull up at a red light and they see a homeless person asking for money, our children, little ones at least, they want us to, they want me, they don't want us, they want me to give them money all the time. Or give them something. Daddy, why don't you give them money? Why don't you give them something to eat? Why don't you help that person? I mean, they're sitting there back there just, I mean, if I listen to them, I would go broke at every time I stop at a red light here if I listen to these children because they, they're at every light in our town. And, um, and they're always, you know, saying, why don't you help that man? Why don't you run on the window? I mean, it's just some, all, every time. Benjamin Esther. Well, there was a homeless person there at, in walking around the parking lot asking for money. And this has never happened with our children, at least the little ones yet. Because normally they're wanting me to go help the people and hand, hand out everything I own. And this week we were there and the guy was walking by and he was speaking to us. And Esther quickly jumped in the car and shut the door. 
go, well, that's, that's unusual. We've never had that. Normally, it's the exact opposite. Normally, we're, we're open the wallet and start passing out the money. Uh, well, and, and then I, she made a comment when we were driving away. says, yeah, that homeless man, we, we needed to watch out. So what? We're, 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 that's the exact opposite we've always been doing. You've always told me. And there, all of a sudden, a little girl, there was a sense of fear with her. Now, every other traffic light in the world and every other time we've been, oh, no, we, we've got to help these people. And I, I didn't tell her, but I went home and said, Sherry, uh, you know, it's like I wanted to say, Esther, who told you to be afraid of that man? Who told you to quickly jump in the van and shut the door? Who told you we don't need to... Uh, you know, be, be careful. Why don't we need to watch out around these people. You could see it. Literally, the innocence, it's slipping away. She's growing up. What was you used to be, oh, these people need help. Of course we give them everything we own. That's what we do. Now, all of a sudden, oh, we need to, we need to shut the door and lock it and roll the window up. we got to be careful. And I think for us, the Bible's telling us, who told you to watch out for certain types of people? Who told you to avoid? The Bible says, walk as children of light. There's, a, there's such a sense of innocence. Lord, I just live for you. I have no clue what people are, who's going to harm me, who, who's going to do right or wrong. Lord, is, is my life is yours. This sense of childlike innocence, childlike maturity, what happens in our life, sin hardens our heart. Sin and just living your life, all of a sudden, fear can sweep over. And you are all of a sudden become fearful and frightful. And the Lord is looking at you thinking, why do you feel that way? Why do you have this attitude all of a sudden? You, you just walk as children of the light. We have to cherish and make sure we maintain that childlike faith, that childlike walk, as verse 8 tells us. We just live for Jesus. Look, if someone kills us, then we go to heaven. Now, we don't try to die, but we trust our lives with the Lord. We don't know what our future holds. All we know is we're in the hands and arms of Jesus. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate. Now look at this. The Bible's telling us what not to participate in. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. Meaning, we need to make sure that we as Bible-believing Christians, when we see something wrong and immoral, we have to point it out. Now, we don't make a big scene about it. You just say, hey, this is, this is wrong. This is, does not add up. This doesn't line up with biology. The Bible tells us what very clear was right and what is wrong. Our world literally has it backwards. It takes what is wrong and says what is right and takes what is wrong or was right and says this is wrong. It's like opposite day. We're living in 2022. And the scriptures telling us we as Christians, children of the light, we point out the truth. Not in a prideful way. We just say, hey, this is, this is what's right and wrong. For it is shameful 
even to mention what is done by them in secret. You know the book of Romans chapter 1 says, in the end times, one of the signs of the end times, what was shameful and used to be done in secret will be flaunted and will be in public. Folks, that's the day we live in today where what was used to be in the closet behind doors but hidden is now promoted on social media, bragged about, legislated, and, and celebrated. And it's the exact opposite. There's the sense when a culture, when a society loses its sense of shame, that just shows the moral depravity. No one even it's, feels there's a wrong anymore. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine of you, shine on you. Meaning, we don't go through our life sleeping. What that means, get up, sleeper, lost people don't realize it. People who don't know the Lord, but they are literally asleep, just going through life, meandering around, spiritually asleep. And when someone gets saved, they actually get the light is shown upon them. They see Christ and they're saved. Look at this second section here. Now, the first one's telling us you don't need to make sure you're deceived. You maintain that innocence, that just simple childlike faith of walking with the Lord. And then it says in verse 15, pay attention or pay careful attention then to how you walk. There's that phrase again, how you walk. We need to pay attention to how we walk with the Lord. Christ is calling us to make sure we are aware of how our lives line up. And this is important for us because a believer, when someone, when a believer falls spiritually, they have probably had 20, 30, 40 chances to repent and to turn. But at some point, the Lord... God wants people to repent. He, he pleads with people. But God does not just ride out our imperfections and sinfulness forever. At some point, he covers you for a season, but it will, he will not cover you, allow you to do this forever. And that's, we know that because the Bible's telling us the light will be shown, it will shine upon you, it, you will be made known what is right and wrong. Part of what Jesus does is he reveals the truth to one another. He points out what is true and false. He says, for us, though, we have to pay this careful attention to our life, to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Making the most of the time. I want to tell you, it's summertime. Some of you are out of school, and you might have extra free time during the summer. If you are waking up at 11 o'clock in the morning, or maybe even 12 at noon, and then after dinner, you pick up your remote and you watch movies and Netflix all the way to 2 in the morning from 7.30 at night to 2 a.m., I can almost assure you, you're probably not spending a lot of time with God. You probably don't have a walk with the Lord because your only opportunity would be after lunch and before dinner. And that's when you have to like go to the bank. That's when you have to go to the grocery store. That's when you have to 
you know, do whatever you have to do during the day because stuff is open. You give your mornings. If you don't manage your mornings and you don't manage your evenings, it will be hard to walk with the Lord. Those who walk with God, it says here literally, making the most of the time. Because the days are evil. We live in evil days. Things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. Today is 2022. If we could fast forward to 2030, that's in eight years. Eight years from today. Do you know most likely here in Lexington and America, it will be more evil in America in 2030 than in 2022. We will be in 2030 remembering the good old days of 2022. Listen, things don't get better. Sin doesn't improve. It gets worse. This is why it will be, if you're not walking with God in 2022, it's going to be even harder to walk with the Lord in 2030. That's why God, the, throughout the entire Bible it says, you know, come to Christ at a young age because your heart gets hardened. Sin hardens our heart. Children, Esther, she's losing her innocence. She's now afraid of homeless people. Wasn't two weeks ago, but now she is. Don't know what happened. But that's what sin does. And it happens to us too. We get accustomed to it. We're around it all the time. And the Bible's telling us, you, believer, you manage your time so that Christ, is that daily walk with the Lord is top priority because it's evil days and it will never get better. Time doesn't get better it gets worse so don't be foolish but understand what the lord's will is you know that is your prayer if you don't know what god's will is you need to be praying for god to reveal that his will to you i think about you think about your opportunities we always want to invite folks to church to come here and hear the gospel to hear the bible preach to hear our band sing to hear the lord uplifted but sometimes some people they really just cannot make it to church and I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday, I had to go pick up Elizabeth because Elizabeth was in Alabama for the past two weeks. And we live here in Lexington. So my parents and I meet at the happy city of Nashville. I'm convinced Nashville is the new capital of the South. That is the boomtown. If you ever want a job or something to do, Nashville have, literally has it all. That's the place to be. Traffic, you, every young people, single people, anything you want there in Nashville. So we meet, meet there in Nashville, and I go in a coffee shop. All over the place there. <clears throat> they have honky-tonks. Do y'all know what a honky-tonk is? I mean, literally, you drive down the road, and they say, honky-tonk. <laughs> You're right here in Nashville. Has anybody been to honky yeah, You might not raise your hand for that, but they have them there in Nashville. That's what they exist. So I'm there in Nashville. Drove past the honky-tonk. Went to this coffee shop, and I'm ordering the food. And I'm the young man, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. I'm telling him about the Lord. Invite him to church because church is all over. I say, sir, why don't you come to church here or go there? You go to church anywhere? And uh, he says, well, I can't really go to church on Sundays because we, we open at 8 o'clock in the morning. We work. I work every single Sunday morning. But he says, when church gets out, a lot of times the church folks will come over here, and they're always very kind and uh, very, very nice to us when we come. I thought, that's on you. How, do you. how can you tell church folks when they walk in a coffee shop? Anyway, well, I guess he could. But I was thinking about that. That young man, that 17, 18-year-old, as much as we would love for him to be at this 11:15 service, he's not going to make it. He's at work every Sunday morning. So for you and I, understand, look, no, notice this passage. 
It says, understand what the Lord's will is. I could go to that coffee shop and invite that man, come to church, come to church, come to church, come to church. He's not going to come. He's at work. He just won't make it. But we as Christians, we come in contact with those type people, people who are working on Sundays, people who can't physically, they just can't make it here. So we use those gospel conversations throughout the week to tell these people about Jesus. They might not be able to come to church, but folks, you want to be known as the kind church people who tell them maybe about the Lord, who share them that Jesus loves them, tells them quickly how to be saved, ask them if they've ever given their lives to Jesus. You use every conversation throughout this week, whether it's at a restaurant, a drive-thru, at school, any opportunity. You, this is what it looks like to walk with God. You wake up and say, God, I'm giving you my day. I'm giving you my words. Every conversation, I want to be a gospel conversation. You take what I have, my words and language, and Lord, you multiply it. I'm, I want you, your will to be done. That is the picture we see of living as the Lord wills. And it says in verse 18, now this is very practical. This applies to people who go the honky-tonks in verse 18. It says, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. Some of your Bibles use the word debauchery. The Bible says drunkenness is wrong, it's sinful, it's not for believers. You don't, you don't, you don't live that way. But instead, instead of getting drunk, what are you to do? You are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You are to fill your life with the Spirit. I've heard one time Billy Graham preach a message on this. Um, in verse 18, he, he used one Bible verse and preached how to be saved or how to be filled with the Spirit. He says many times churches love to focus on don't get drunk on wine, don't do this, don't do that, but they forget the latter part of that verse. And that's the most important part. Instead of being filled with alcohol, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what it looks like. The man, woman, boy or girl who's walking their day is filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you wake up this morning and say, Lord, this is the day you've made. I want an opportunity to do something great, to speak up, to share, to invite, to tell someone how great of a God you are. Every day, every conversation is a gospel conversation. And it says after you do this, you're filled with the Spirit. You're speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs singing and making music with your heart to the lord giving thanks always for everything the god the father in the name of jesus christ submitting to one another in the fear of christ this is what a picture looks like of someone who walks with god do you know here practical steps many of you say okay daniel this is theory land. How do I live in 2022 in July in Lexington, Kentucky? How do I live my life walking with the Lord? Number one, if you want practical steps of ways you can walk with the Lord, it starts here with following God's map. That map is what we call our Bible. You should know and be reading every day or in your Bible app the 66 books of the Bible. You should just be going through there saying, Lord, this is your book. You reveal to me. You teach me your word. That is step one. It is going to be hard. 
to have a daily time, a daily quiet time, a walk with the Lord, if it does not involve you reading your Bible. Number two, you need to seek direction. Folks, you need to have a prayer life. Think about all the things you can be praying for. You don't know who pray for you. Pray for me. You pray for our church. You pray for folks that get saved here. You can pray for opportunities for you to share the gospel. You could get the weekly prayer list I email out every Friday and just say, I'm going to pray for sick people. Pray for the people for salvation on the back. There's opportunities endless for us to be praying for the Lord to use. People who pray more see more answers to prayer. Many of you think, I never see my prayers answered. I never see anything happen. Do you know why? Because you don't pray enough. People who've tapped into this know if you pray, you will see answers to prayer. What is prayer? It's talking with God. And number three, bring companions. You know, when you come to church, when you come to worship here, this is a family of God. You come here, you hold one another accountable, you grow in the Lord together. Your best friend should be in church. This is God's house with God's people coming together every Lord's Day, every 1115, saying, Lord, I'm here to worship you. This is the day the Lord has made. We will be happy and go up to the house of the Lord, as innocent read here. So we see today, but walking with God, this is not just following a bunch of laws. This is an attitude, a way of life that the Lord wants you and I to no longer be deceived with these empty arguments. Instead, we pay attention. We give careful attention to details in our life, making sure every, every, every hour we're using our time wisely. Growing closer to the Lord involves time management. Because why? In verse 16, the days are getting evil. The days are evil. They're not going to get better. They only get worse. And the Bible's saying, yeah, they're going to get worse, but you are called out of that. You are walking with Jesus. So this morning, I ask you, and the book of Ephesians asks you, your Christian life, when you measure it against this standard here of walking with the Lord, are you doing these things? Do you still have that childlike faith, the childlike trust of just believing the Lord? Are you using your time knowing, Lord, um, this is your time. I have one life to live. Jesus, I live it for you. And I want to maximize every minute. And Christ is calling us this morning to walk with him. That first step that you take when you walk, you're walking with Jesus when you give your life to the Lord. How do you begin to walk with the Lord? You get saved. You say, Lord, I'm going to walk this aisle, and I'm going to take his hand, and I'm going to pray and receive Jesus as my Savior. And from this day on, every day, you're walking with the Lord. Great men and women of the faith are known for their walk with the Lord. When you pass away, when your family speaks of you, they want it to be said, yes, my father, my grandfather, my brother, my grandmother, she was one who walked with the Lord. She was known for her Christian witness. 
I'm going to invite Beecher and the band to come forward. This morning, if you are not saved, if Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, that is how your walk starts. That's how you know the Lord. And I'm going to be waiting down front here with Zach. And you come take our hands and say, I'm ready to get saved. I want to begin my Christian walk. I want to begin a walk that will literally, just like Enoch, will just walk right into heaven. From this day on, Lord, I'm yours. This is our time to respond to God. And we walk this aisle and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm giving you my life. So we're going to stand together. If you want to get saved, you want to join our church, Zach Bauer, if you'll come stand up here, I'm going to be standing up here, and we're going to respond to the Lord this morning.